Well, good morning, church family and guests. So good to see you. Welcome to those of you online right now watching who are with us, uh, whatever state or city you might be in. Hey, just real fast before I jump in, uh, my name's Chad. I'm one of the pastors on staff. Get to hang out with you guys and open up God's Word and uh, teach and learn with you together. But uh, this service is starting to get pretty cramped on a regular basis. And so that's good news, right? That's really good news. Um, but here's the sidebar. We need some of you to maybe consider uh, another service. And so uh, we have room in the 9.30 service. We have room in the 8.15 service. That's no surprise. Um, and we got some room at the 6.30 service. And so maybe just out of a heart to bless others, especially guests that are coming for the first time, this tends to be their favorite time to come. It's almost like a missionary mindset. Like, hey, you know what? We're going to start going to one of the other services to just make some room. Um, that, that'd be something we'd ask you to consider, especially as we're getting close to Easter. Because this service time at Easter is like... Who knows what's going to happen, all right? And so uh, we, we can appreciate you praying and processing and thinking through that. Uh, also, just when you're coming, just make sure if there's empty seats, you know, uh, don't, don't make guests try to walk over you, try to scoot toward the middle and just, you know, be hospitable and warm to those who are coming in. So, uh, but if they're church family, make them walk over you. That's okay. You can just make them, <laughs> inconvenience them, that's, that's fine. But uh, guests, we don't want to do that too. So anyways, with that being said, hey, two quick stories. First, uh, I've got a 15-year-old son uh, named Cruz. If you know our family, that's not new news to you. And he currently right now has his driving temps. Now, we're in a prayer series, so you can start to pray heavily for me and his mom as uh, he's uh, learning to drive. No, he's actually doing a great job. He's a good driver. He's logging some hours. He's getting some time in. And so he's building confidence. He's growing in his ability to drive. And so he's driving, but he doesn't really know how to drive just yet. So if I were to put him on the 480 with like some snow going on, you know, that'll be a moment where he's going to realize, yeah, I don't really know how to drive. If, if we're going down a, a, a jammed uh, parking lot and there's one empty stall in the midst of all the cars, that'll be a moment where he and probably the cars to the left and right of that stall will realize he doesn't know fully how to drive yet. Um, if we get out the notorious parallel parking, he and probably some of us who've been driving for years already will know we still don't know really how to drive. So he's been driving, but he doesn't really know how to drive fully yet. In the same way, I've had an opportunity just over the years with different friends and people in church that fly private aircraft to go flying. And so a handful of times I've been able to go up in the air and, and uh, over the last couple of years, a couple of brothers from this church said, hey, let's go flying. I'm like, yeah. And so I went flying and uh, it's, it was a lot of fun. On, on one of those trips, Actually, both of those trips, every time I've gotten up, um, people say, hey, here, take the stick. I'm like, yeah, this is great. I'm flying the plane and doing loop-de-loops and nose dives. Not really, but um, <laughs> not on purpose. <laughs> no. Um, so I'm flying. On one of these trips, I was with Mike, and we're in this like open cockpit airplane, really cool older plane, and we're flying back, and I've got the stick, and all of a sudden, the side gust of wind just starts hitting us. We get this crosswind, and the plane starts flying. Sorry, babe, I never actually told you this, I don't think. So um, <laughs> just ignore the next minute. <laughs> um, anyways, this side wind comes, and this plane is flying like sideways and up and down and bumping. My heart's going. I'm like, take this stick, Mike. Take this stick, man, because I've been flying, but I really don't know how to fly. A lot of us have been praying, but you don't really know how to pray or you don't feel like you really know how to pray. You can say prayers, but do you really feel like 
You know how to pray. And I think as a pastor, you know, I get a lot of opportunity to hear people's stories. And through conversation and observation, a lot of people, a lot of you, a lot of you watching right now, do not feel like you really know how to pray, which is so interesting because there's no shortage of opportunity to pray or to learn how to pray. First, God has hardwired us to know how to pray. God has put in us a drive, a desire to connect with him, to talk to him, to be in relationship with him. So that's going to draw us to prayer. I mean, every religion, every culture has a form of prayer. So, so prayer is not a foreign thing to us. It's, it's actually hardwired by us in God. There's, there's a lot out there on prayer. If you go on Amazon right now and say, I think I want to get a book on prayer, and you type in prayer in the search window, you're going to get over 200,000 books. If you think, hmm, I wonder, what's, uh, I wonder what Google's got to say about prayer right now. So if you type in prayer in Google, you're going to get over 412 million links. So there's no shortage of information on prayer. Plus, on top of that, when you study the Bible, you see teaching and modeling of prayer everywhere you look. And you see how, like, there's no right or wrong way to pray. It's just there's teaching and modeling about how to connect. You've got people in the Bible praying, standing up, on their knees, on their faces, out loud, silently to themselves, by themselves, with a friend, small group, large group. Uh, you got people praying when they're happy, when they're sad. You got people, you know, uh, praying, you know, on mountains, jails. Like there's all sorts. So there's no shortage of information, modeling, example with prayers. We, we even have uh, tips and guides to help us pray. Because sometimes when we're feeling, you know, awkward, like, well, how do, how do I pray? You know, what words do I use? We've come up with a couple tools that are helpful. There's nothing wrong with these. They're great guides. And so, like, one of them is the PRAY acronym. You know, praise, repent, ask, yield. So I'm, I'm going to spend some time praising God for who he is and what he's done. I'm going to repent of sins in my life and confess sins in my life to the Lord. I'm going to ask God for things in my life and my family, and then I'm going to yield and wait to see what he's going to do and trust him. That's, that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. Some of you are familiar with the ACTS acronym, right? Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, same type of thing. I, I like the, the kids' version of this. You teach kids how to pray around four words. Wow, like what makes you say wow about God? What about who he is and what he's done makes you just go, wow, God, right? Sorry, you know, confession of sin, thank you, thanksgiving, supplication, asking God for things. Th those are great. Of course, we tend to turn those into formulas, right? Like, okay, I'm going to pray, so PRS, I'm going to do this and this and this and this. And then all of a sudden, we, we, we put ourselves in this little box. Like, those are helpful. But even with that, even with all that we have, there are times when we don't really feel like we know how to pray. Times that we feel stuck in our prayer life. Now, you know you're stuck in your prayer life when your prayer life feels like this. You don't know how to start the conversation. You don't know what words to use. Sometimes prayer feels like punishment. There are certain traditions and teachings that have contributed to that false understanding of prayer. Uh, sometimes you feel inadequate or unworthy or clumsy in your prayer life. Sometimes you're tired of not getting the answers that you want or the answers when you want them. Sometimes it feels like you're weak or shallow or empty or boring or repetitive in your prayer life. Sometimes you know you're stuck in your prayer life when all your prayers are basically begging God. Please, 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 God. Or you're bargaining with God. God, if you do this, then I'll do this. Aren't you a lucky God? <laughs> okay? And so you know you're stuck when that kind of stuff is happening. Many of us find ourselves being people who say prayers, but not really feeling like we know how to pray. But we're in good company. I mean, just think about the disciples. You've got people that walked with Jesus for years, daily. 
And they're, they're, they're doing ministry. They're seeing miraculous healings. They're hearing authoritative teaching from the word of God. And they're hearing and watching Jesus pray. And the disciples said to Jesus, Lord, teach us how to pray. Why would they say that? Because they don't feel like they know how. Well, if guys walking with Jesus daily don't feel good about it, it's no wonder we don't feel good about it sometimes. On top of that, we've got the Apostle Paul, a man radically converted to Jesus who wrote over half of the New Testament saying, we don't know how to pray. He says, we don't know how to pray. And you might be thinking, really? Where did he say that? I'm glad you asked. Would you open up your Bibles, please, to Romans chapter 8? Open up your Bibles to Romans 8. Open up that Bible, fire up your Bible application, Romans chapter 8. If you find yourself here today, by the way, and you don't have a Bible, um, go out to the front desk at some point, and we have them for free for you as a gift. Uh, happy spring to you, all right? And so find yourself in Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Now, not only are we going to see in this passage where Paul mentions that we don't know how to pray, but he's also going to share with us the number one factor in knowing how to pray. And as you turn to Romans, uh, let me just state the obvious. Prayer is a massive topic to unpack. We're not going to unpack it all, and I'm not going to say anything new about prayer right now. Uh, come on, over 200,000 books and over 400 million. I'm not going to say anything new about prayer, but I just believe that our time today is going to help encourage us, stretch us, train us, um, equip us to feel a little bit more of how to pray. All right, let's find ourselves Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27. First word here says, likewise, we'll come back to that. Likewise, the Spirit, it's a capital S. So who's being referred to here? Holy Spirit, right? All right. So likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness for, oh, look at this, we do not know what to pray for, as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes. Everyone say intercedes. intercedes. We'll come back to that. He intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words, and he who searches hearts, that's a reference to God, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints. Everyone say saints. saints. The Spirit intercedes for the saints. We'll come back to that according to the will of God. First, we've got to unpack this word likewise, because they're starting there. Anytime you read the Bible, you've got to look at the context, right? The text in context. So you go back some verses, and this is a reference here to the previous verses where they were speaking about how creation and how believers in Christ groan, patiently waiting and longing for the day that God will fully restore this broken world and, will, and restore all things to perfection. And in the same way, likewise, the Spirit of God groans on our behalf as He helps us. The Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for. We don't know how to pray. And we're not talking about the general mechanics of prayer. We're not talking about like, do I pray with my eyes open or closed? Do I fold my hands? Do I close my hands? If I hold my hands up high, do I get better reception to God? <laughs> like, like, we're not talking about the mechanics of prayer. We're talking about a deep longing to connect, a deep um, digging into our souls that feels like we're communing with God, and we start to find ourselves praying the things of God in the ways of God, like really learning how to pray better. Donald Whitney is a professor of biblical spirituality, and he's an associate dean at Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kentucky. He wrote a book called Pray in the Bible. I recommend it. He said, I maintain that people, truly born again, genuinely Christian people, 
often do not pray simply because they do not feel like it. And the reason they don't feel like praying is that when they do pray, they tend to say the same old things about the same old things. And some of you are going, how did Donald Whitney get a picture of my journal, right? How did that, did that guy hear me say that? We can all relate to this. Our lack of knowing how to pray demonstrates and reveals our weaknesses. Don't miss this. The Holy Spirit helps us pray not just when we're weak. The Holy Spirit helps us pray because we're weak. We aren't going to know how to pray on our own. We're not. We're weak vessels of flesh. And so maybe you're thinking, I don't know, man. I know how to pray. I've got this whole prayer thing down. I've, I've said, dude, I've logged hours of prayer. Well, let's just go to some spiritual parallel parking scenarios and see how we are, okay? What happens when you get a crosswind of tribulation? What happens when that crisis, that sickness, that tragedy blows into your life? At that point in time, you will probably have a good sense of whether you know how to pray or not how to pray. Or when Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for them. Talk about spiritual parallel parking. Oh, I know how to pray. Really? When's the last time you prayed for your enemy? Ooh, that one's kind of off topic, you know? It's a little bit out of bounds. We don't do that. Well, if we learn how to pray, we're, we're going to go there. Or the opposite. What happens when you get the job you want? What happens when you get the spouse you want? What happens when you get the baby you want? What happens when you get the paycheck you want? What happens when it's smooth sailing? What happens when it's amazing? Do you know how to pray then too? So do we really know how to pray? No, because we're weak. But thank God he's given us himself in the Holy Spirit as a help to us. He didn't leave us helpless. He has come to help. And when you look at the word here, it says the Holy Spirit helps us, helps is present tense. It means he keeps on helping. He's actively involved. He's currently helping us. As a believer in Christ, when you're praying in the Spirit, the Spirit's helping us. He's, it's, the, it's the image of him carrying us. And in John 14, 16, we see Jesus say, I'm going to ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Not only is the Holy Spirit here helping us, he's going to help us forever. Until we see Jesus face to face because we leave this earth or he comes back, as he promised, the Holy Spirit's helping. He's not going to be like, well, hey, you know, I'm clocking in, clocking out, I'm done with you. Hope it goes good, you know. He's always with us. And so, those who are children of God through faith in Jesus Christ, have been given the Holy Spirit as a counselor, as a comforter, and the one who helps. And the only one who has the Holy Spirit is the person who's come to Christ in faith. The people who have the Holy Spirit indwelling and living inside of them are those who come to Jesus. And so God's made it very clear. The only path, not a path, the only path to be made right with God, to receive forgiveness of sins, is through Jesus Christ. He did all the heavy lifting. His death on the cross was full payment for sins. It wasn't 95.5%. It wasn't 50%. Thank you, Jesus, for your part. Now I get to do mine. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to say certain prayers. I'm going to, you know, uh, do these certain rituals, and then I'm going to contribute to what you did. No. It's 100% covered by the death of Jesus on the cross, and then he rose from the grave to uh, have an undisputable, conquering, victorious demonstration over death and sin. So I've got it covered. 
And those people who realize it's not good works, it's not good behavior, it's not going to church, it's not religion, it's not ritual, it's only Jesus that I can be forgiven, only Jesus I can be made right with God, those are the people who come into faith with Christ, trust in him, believe in him, and at that point in time of conversion, guess who comes and lives inside of you? The Holy Spirit. Inside, forever dwelling. This is the Holy Spirit of God. And so you have to believe and receive in Jesus and the Holy Spirit comes and he lives in you. Now, this is significant because it says here that those who are to pray are to pray in the Spirit. So the answer to the question, how do I pray, is simply this. You pray in the Spirit. I'm sorry for all my friends who have 10 lines ready for 10 techniques. 10 little like, you know, like, no, 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 no. How do we pray? In the Spirit. That's what Ephesians 6 says. When you open the Bible, look at Ephesians 6. It says, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer, supplication, to that end, and keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for the saints. And you have to do the first part before you can do the last part. You've got to be able to pray in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication so that you can keep alert, so that you can persevere, so that you can supplicate for all the saints and make requests. This is the way God has arranged everything. And so it's the help of the Holy Spirit that transforms us from simply saying prayers to really praying. How does he do that? It says right here, he intercedes for us. That means to advocate. He makes appeals on our behalf. He uh, takes what is inside and he presents it to the person we talked about last week, our Holy Father. If you weren't here last week, you can go online and listen and understand more about who we pray to. But last week, we talked about the biblical pattern of prayer that we see in the Bible, that we pray to one true God who dwells in three unique personhoods of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, what we call the Trinity, all equally God, yet distinct in their roles. One God, not three, yet in three persons. Some of you are going, I'm, I'm having a hard time doing the math. It's okay. It's God's math, not ours, all right? And so we pray to the Father in the name of the Son through the Spirit. And so all prayer, don't, don't lose me here, follow along. All prayer that happens outside of the Holy Spirit is empty and powerless. If a person is praying that does not have the Holy Spirit of God, it's empty. It's powerless because you're to pray in the Spirit. How do you pray in the Spirit? If you don't have the Spirit, you can't pray in the Spirit. And this is why Christian prayer is so different than any other kind of prayer. Only beloved children of God who've placed their faith in Christ have the Holy Spirit interceding on their behalf. So well-meaning people and Buddhists and Muslims and Hindus and New Agers and etc. do not have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling in them because they do not have a relationship with Christ. And verse 27 says that the Holy Spirit intercedes for the saints. This is not a reference to dead people that have gone on that living people said were super special. When you unpack the word saints, the word means consecrated ones, a group of living people that have been set apart that are unique for God's purposes. And so those who put their faith in Christ are saints. If you are a Christian, if you love Jesus and the Bible teaching and the eyes of God, you're a saint. So the Holy Spirit intercedes for the saints. If you are not a follower of Christ, there's no intercession from the Holy Spirit. It's empty. It's powerless. And so believers 
have this intercession of the Holy Spirit. But even then, sometimes we feel like we don't know how to pray. We feel like we don't know how to pray when we're overwhelmed and when we feel distant from God or uncertain of God's will or just keep praying for that one thing and it's not happening or we're stuck in our prayer. And it's at that point, this is so good, this is so good. It's at that point that the Holy Spirit translates. He takes over. He carries our heart to the Father on our behalf. He takes the imperfect and makes it perfect before the Father. That's what the Holy Spirit does in our prayer life. And that part of his intercession is done through this, what's seen here in this passage, the groaning of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit enters into our messiness and he unites himself as God with our mess and what burdens us. And he, and he interacts with our fallen state and our weaknesses and our trials and our troubles and our limitations and our grief. And whether spiritual or emotional or physical in nature, the Holy Spirit in his intercession takes it to the Father according to and aligning will with the will of God. And sometimes that comes out as groanings from us. Sometimes it's just the Holy Spirit and his ability to groan. And so just as Jesus intercedes for us because we're sinful, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us because we're weak. And isn't God good to us? Isn't God good to us? And so the Holy Spirit pierces through when we're praying about the symptoms that we're experiencing. He pierces through to what's driving those symptoms, what's truly going on in the heart. And so in order to pray in the Spirit, you have to surrender to the Holy Spirit. You have to trust the Spirit when we pray in the Spirit. We follow His lead, and we lean on Him when we don't know how to pray. The Bible makes it very clear. We are either in the flesh or in the Spirit. And we flip-flop, right? There are some of you this morning that when you woke up to get ready for the church, you were in the flesh all the way through you walked through the front doors, right? And your kids know it, and your spouse knows, we're going to church. Put your smiley face on You know, your spouse, your kids, your parents, your coworkers, your friends, people know, you know when you're in the flesh. What we think and what we say and what wants to come out in the flesh is so ungodly. But then he's given us the Holy Spirit. And when we surrender and yield, the Spirit takes over and he shuts our mouth often. <laughs> he stirs our soul so that what can come out can be pleasing to God and helpful to others. We're either in the flesh or in the spirit. Guys, if we're praying or if we're in the flesh, it's going to be very hard to pray in the spirit. And if we're in the spirit, it's going to be hard to pray in the flesh. It's just the way God has made this to work, this beautiful dance. Just a little theological aside for a second because I think this is important to touch on and come back. Just a little cul-de-sac on the road we're on. The purpose for our life our God-given goal, the reason you woke up living and breathing today is simply this from God, to make you more like Christ. Our goal is to be Christ-like. God's goal for us is Christ-likeness, not personal comfort or blessing. And the road to Christ-likeness is filled with both pleasure and pain. And God uses both for his purposes. Pleasure, pain, good, bad, blessing, burden. He uses them both. But when you think about our prayer life, most of us pray that God would just take away the pain. And that God would just take away the hard stuff. And that's perfectly fine and good to do so. 
Jesus teaches that. It's modeled in the scripture. The apostle Paul asked God repeatedly to take away something unpleasant in his life. So it's not unbiblical to pray that way. The problem is unbiblical to only pray that way, to exclusively pray that way. Because when we say, God, take away the pain, take away the discomfort, take away the difficulty, sometimes we're asking God to take away something which is his will to have in our life. Why? Because he wants to use it to make us more like Christ. Because the road to Christ-likeness, sometimes the most growth happens in the most painful places, in the most difficult places. Let's just go to the life of Christ. Just just go backwards to the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus Christ, 100% man, 100% God, the incarnation, right? And in that moment, in the Garden of Gethsemane, when his death is looming, and the suffering is coming, and he knows it, and he's feeling it, and he's praying. In that moment, the humanity in Christ says, I want off this ride. And he says, Father, take this cup from me. And then right after that, the divinity of Christ, the part of saying, no, I'm I'm called to the mission. Right after that, he says, no, but not my will be done, but what? Your will be done. See, only the Holy Spirit will make that prayer come out of our life. Only the Holy Spirit will make, Father, your will be done, not mine, come out of this life. Because in the flesh, here's how we pray. Father, take away the cup. In fact, take it far, far, far away. May it never come back. And Father, may my will be done and not yours. And God's saying, no, 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 no. You need to learn how to pray. My will be done, not, not yours. And so we need to come to this place. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. He helps us do that by interceding for us and helping us pray because we don't really know how. And as the Holy Spirit helps us, he helps us listen and discern God's voice and God's leading in our life. This is very important. Don't start to drift off and take a nap. This is very important. The Spirit's leading and interceding will always, 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 always be in conjunction with his word. When the Holy Spirit intercedes, when the Holy Spirit leads you in a prayer, it'll always align with God's word. It will be seen, found, and present here. There are a lot of movements right now that say, no, the Holy Spirit's giving me a fresh revelation. It's outside of this. If you ever hear that, go, eh, it's not right. Okay? Or if something you're feeling, like, you know, I was praying, you know, our marriage is struggling right now, I've just been praying, I, I think the Lord told me I want to get a divorce. And you go, hmm, God says he hates divorce. Eh, that's not what God's telling you. God's not telling you that. And so you have to look at God's word. He's just going to always pull you back to what God says. It's always in conjunction with his word. We'll be affirmed by his word. And so if that's the case, it's very important that we see, recognize, and interact with the Holy Spirit and the word of God simultaneously. The Holy Spirit, as he intercedes and helps us, is going to put us into God's word. This is one of the most significant factors in our prayer life that honestly most Christians don't utilize. Jesus said that the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have what? Said to you. As the Holy Spirit works, he's going to recall this that's been put in here and here. We've got to put God's word in our head and heart. Because that's what the Holy Spirit's going to use to lead and guide and direct and recall and steer and intercede for us. He will draw you to God's word to study and learn and internalize. And then in prayer, he's going to draw from you God's word. 
He puts it in, he pulls it out. It gets in, it gets pulled out. That's what the Holy Spirit's going to do. So if the Holy Spirit will bring to remembrance the words of Christ, but we're not in God's word, we're not really giving the Holy Spirit a lot to work with, are we? Oh, Lord, help me. Oh, Lord, I need you right now. Lord, show up. And he's going, well, you didn't really give me a lot to work with. You know, you need to spend some more time in the word. R.A. Torrey is a 19th century pastor and writer and educator. He said in his little book, great recommend, by the way, it's the first little book I was reading in recovery from my neck surgery a few months ago. It's a book called How to Pray. Catchy title, right? For those of us who need to know how to pray. He says this, triumphant prayer is almost impossible where there is neglect of the study of the word of God. And some of us are going, how did that guy get his hands on my journal? Right? If we're not in God's word, then we limit the amount that the Holy Spirit will draw up in our mind and heart, and our prayer life can be very anemic. Also, let's go to another area where Jesus says something very necessary. In John 15, it's the notorious abide section of Scripture. To abide means to walk with, live in, stay connected to. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now, what we typically do is we go, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. We go, we like the back of this verse. This is awesome. Lord, this is what we want. And like, you know, we're typing up in our prayer life, like, I want this, 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 I want this. And the Lord's going, excuse me, can you like go back and maybe not skip over that part? If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. If we are walking with Christ, if we're in relationship with Christ, and we're, we're connected to Christ, and we're in his word, that, that we're abiding in the relationship, and we're abiding in the word, then that's going to inform our prayer life. The person who is not abiding with Jesus and not abiding in God's word is going to pray very differently than the person who is abiding in Christ and who is abiding in his word. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. And so some of us are so frustrated because we're going, well, you said Jesus. You broke your promise. You said, ask me whatever you wish, and you'll do it. And you didn't do it. And the Lord's going, well, actually, I said, abide in me, and I let my words abide in you. Then ask me what you wish, because I know that what you're going to ask will be different than if you're not abiding with me. If we're abiding in Christ, we're abiding in his word, it will be revealed through more horsepower in our prayer life. R.A. Torrey again said, if we then let the words of Christ abide in us, they will stir us up in prayer. And as the Holy Spirit helps us, as we pray in the Spirit, getting into God's Word will stir up prayer, and prayer will stir up God's Word in us. Back to something Donald Whitney said. He said, so basically what you are doing is taking words that originated in the heart and mind of God, right? And circulating them through your heart and mind back to God. By this means, his words become wings of your prayers. And so praying God's word is one of the greatest ways we can pray, and it helps us get unstuck. It teaches us how to pray with a more God-honoring and God-centered focus rather than self-serving and self-focused prayers. A well-respected pastor, many of you know him, John Piper, about praying scripture says this, if we don't form the habit of praying the scriptures, our prayers will almost certainly degenerate into vain repetitions that eventually revolve entirely around our immediate private concerns rather than God's larger purposes. And someone's going, how did John Piper get his hands on my journal, right? 
Because this is, this is us, guys. Praying scripture is a game changer. In your prayer life as an individual, in your family, your life group, and us as a community. There's a woman in our church named Deb. I asked her if I could share this, and she said yes, because I was looking for someone who really felt transformed by the practice of praying Scripture as they're trying to connect with the Lord. And she had a major transformation in her life because of this, and she gave us permission to share. She's sharing this with you. She said, years ago, praying Scripture was not on my heart. I went to church. I served. I read the Bible. I prayed. I was growing in my walk and grateful. I knew about Jesus. Everything's good, right? And this, all this is good. But there was still something missing in my heart. I wanted to pray deeper and was always searching but didn't know how until one day when I met a woman who loved to pray scripture. Her passion for the word was breathtaking to witness. I wanted that zeal, so I asked her for some wisdom, and then she asked me a simple question. I know you have a relationship with Jesus, but do you have an intimate relationship? I finally found what was missing, intimacy with Jesus through the word. I made the choice to shut out the world, focus on scripture, and hear what God is saying. I turned to the Psalms which walked me through my life circumstances. I grew up with alcoholic parents. I never heard I love you. I used drugs and sex to fill the void. I was physically abused in my first marriage. I walked away with a hardened heart. Praying over scripture transformed my life. I asked the Holy Spirit to guide me as I prayed Psalm 51:17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Crying out to God, I truly repented. I was honest about my ugly heart and my attitude and for him to transform me from the inside out. He slowly removed the debris and in time, his grace and compassion moved in. When I fell in love with Jesus, I also learned the importance of the Trinity, especially that the Holy Spirit lives in me and is my helper. John 14, 26 says, the Holy Spirit's my teacher. So each day I say, good morning, Father. Good morning, Jesus. Good morning, Holy Spirit. This is a personal choice out of my love for the Trinity. And before reading the Bible, I asked the Spirit to guide and teach me. See, Deb went from feeling like a person who was just saying prayers to a person who really knew how to pray. And so when we read and memorize and are guided by God's Word, the Holy Spirit helps make us scripturally informed in our request. And we pray with more faith and we pray more according to God's will, which He'll answer. And the Holy Spirit will also help us receive whatever answer God gives. No Yes, not now, maybe never, not the way you thought. God answers in the way he chooses. And so praying scripture is praying back to the Lord his words. Praying the word of God back to God. And just to kind of make sure that you're understanding how to do that, and you're like, well, how do I do that? How do I pray scripture? Here's just a simple guide. You just select a passage that's meaningful to you, or you can open your Bible to the Bible reading plan that you're on. Uh, if you're stuck, you can just open it up to Psalms. It's a great place to start. And then you just take a moment to ask God to lead your time. Lord, just show me what you want to show me. Open my mind, open my heart, open, open whatever you need right now so I can hear from you. You start reading through that passage slowly and, and maybe you'll read through the whole thing or maybe you'll just read through it in little bits and you'll stop at times and just pray what you're seeing and, and it will prompt certain things to come out of you. And then you can do this alone or you're with your family or in a life group or in a large gathering just like we're in. And as you read through the scriptures in a spirit of prayer, what you'll notice is there are typically three types of prompts or responses. One pastor called them the three R's. And so sometimes that time will create you to want to rejoice. Sometimes it will prompt in you the desire to repent. Or sometimes it will prompt a time to request. 
And so maybe you're reading through a passage, and as you're doing that, you're just, you just find yourself being very thankful to God, and you're just, you're just praising God. So you're just rejoicing in who he is and what he's done. Or maybe you're reading through something, and deep conviction and confession comes in your heart, and like, I just need to repent of this. Or maybe it's request. It just triggers in you a desire to pray for something in your life or for the, the life of someone you work with or know or love. And those three responses might emerge as you're praying through Scripture. So it would be weird to just talk about how to pray Scripture without giving you guys a chance to actually interact with praying Scripture. The best way to learn to pray is to pray, just like everything else. You know, you got to practice it to learn how to do it better. And so I just want to transition from a time of talking about it to a time of actually praying with you guys through a passage. And so I don't have anything pre-selected. Um, I want to just uh, pray with you guys through a passage and invite you guys into that as well as we pray. And so I'm going to need something. So Walt, give me a number between 1 and 150. 73. 73, all right? Please open your Bibles to Psalm 73. That was sneaky, huh? So I have no clue what we're about to read. Let's say you're in your Bible reading plan and it says, open up to Psalm 73. So open up your Bibles to Psalm 73. We're obviously not going to go through the whole thing. But we're just going to spend a little bit in it. I mean, we can go into a whole other service if we want. There are 28 verses. I'm glad you didn't say 119. <laughs> Some of you are going, what's the big deal? It's the longest chapter in the Bible. 176 verses, I believe. <clears throat> Look at Psalm 73. I just want to invite you to pray with me. I'm just, I'm just going to read some scripture and pray. That's all I'm going to do. And we're going to pray together. And then at some point, I'm just going to, I want to turn you loose. Just to look at Psalm 73, okay? Just, just pray through it. And if you don't have a Bible in your hands, like, I don't have Psalm 73, just, just listen to what you're hearing and maybe just invite yourself into that moment. But let's pray. Let's just pray. Truly, God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. God, you're so good. We do not deserve you. We don't deserve you to even look upon us. You're holy. You're righteous. We're sinful. We run from you. We don't run to you. But Lord, you're good to us. Israel was disobedient. Israel worshiped false gods. Israel turned their back on you over and over and over again. Israel was the cheating spouse so many times. But you kept forgiving and forgiving and forgiving. And you disciplined. And you invited newness and new seasons into Israel. Lord, you are good to Israel. And that same love you have for Israel is the same love you have for us. Lord, we cheat on you every day. We walk away from you every day. We're the spoiled kid all the time. But Lord, you're still good to us. Every good thing in our life is directly from your hand. It's all tied back to you. Lord, you're good. And Lord, you're good to those who are pure in heart. Father, I confess I'm not pure in heart. We confess we're not pure in our hearts, Father. We fight and scratch and claw for what we want. And Lord, we're lustful. And we covet what other people have. We're discontent. We're ungrateful. We run to sin. We love to get dirty in the mud of sin. But Lord, you've called us to be pure in heart. Lord, our feet have stumbled and slipped so many times. 
We've almost gone off cliffs, Lord, but you're always there to catch us. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Lord, we confess there's been times that we've been envious of the arrogant. We saw the prosperity of the wicked people. We say, how can they, how can they have all that? They don't even love you. How can they have the riches of the world? And I don't get any, and I love you. Father, I feel like you just whisper into our spirits, it's never about acquiring the riches of the world. It's about acquiring the riches of heaven. Lord, we know that you can have everything in this world and have nothing. And have nothing in this world, but if we have you, we have everything. So Lord, help us not be envious. Help us not be arrogant. Help us not turn our hearts away from you. Let us not let sin and covetousness pull us away from you, Father. But it help us because we're, we're weak. And we need your help. You have your Bibles open to Psalm 73. Just, just go through Psalm 73. Spend a few moments. Just let your heart gravitate towards certain verses or words and just pray around those. Maybe it's going to be repentance. Maybe it's going to be rejoicing. Maybe it's going to be a request. But just, just spend a few minutes right now just, just praying through this passage. I'm just going to give that to you. I'm just going to close out with you guys. I'm looking at verses 27, 28. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. Father, it hurts to know that every person who rejects Jesus will go to hell. It hurts to know that we have loved ones who are far from you, friends, neighbors, coworkers, who are far from you. Lord, you tell us in many ways in your word, they will perish. And you will put an end to everyone who rejects you, who's unfaithful, who denies you. Father, help us never lose sight of the mission that you've invited us to, to go and tell them about your love. And tell them about the cross. Tell them about the resurrection. Tell them about new life in Christ. Verse 28, but for me, it is good to be near God. I've made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all your works. Oh, you're so good to us, God, and it feels so good to be intimate and close with you. Lord, may we truly make you our refuge. And may we tell of all that you've done in our life, in our church, in history. Let us be a light to demonstrate who you are and what you've done. Help us to be close to you, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. It's just a brief time. I mean, there's so much more we could do. Just a couple things. If, if you don't know Christ, maybe you're watching or maybe you're here and you, you don't know Christ, I think you're picking up something very important right now. You need Christ. You need the Lord. God loves you. He wants you to come and spend forever in heaven with him. But he's not going to force you. He's inviting you. And you yet again have an opportunity to RSVP with a yes or a no. <laughs> and if you want to say yes to Christ, today is the day to do that. You can just say, I'm a sinner, I'm broken, I'm lost, I need Jesus. You don't have to tell me that. You don't have to tell your neighbor that. You tell, you tell the Lord that. But if you come to Christ, we feel um, a joyful privilege to help you grow in that relationship with Christ. And so tell us about your decision to follow Christ so we can help you grow. And so you have a, a response card in your program. There's a spot there. You can indicate that you've given your life to Christ today. Mark that down. Tear it off. Put it in the baskets that are going to come out around in a few minutes. Let us know you're giving your life to Christ, and we want to help you grow in your new relationship. As far as what we've talked about today, the big idea I really want you guys to wrap your mind around is that the Holy Spirit 
transforms us from people who say prayers to people who really pray. You got to pray in the spirit. And if you didn't pick up on how to do that, first, you got to come to Christ. You got to surrender to the spirit's interceding. You got to open up God's word for the spirit's reminding. That's how we do it. And so a few resources I recommend. One is our own Living New uh, Journal, uh, Discipleship Guide. Uh, We've taken some writing on just how to grow as a follower of Christ. We put it in this book. And uh, chapter two is all about prayer. And so I encourage you to open up. A lot of you have this. Open it up this week. Get into chapter two. There's daily devotionals. Add them to your devotionals and see how you can pray those scriptures and re-engage what some of those questions are and maybe how you'd answer them different. And so this is a great resource. You bought all of them here. We have to reorder. And so uh, you can get them on Amazon. Uh, We do have some hard copies of chapter two at the front desk. So if you don't have one of these books, but you're interested in getting one, just stop by the desk and grab one. Also, the two other books I mentioned, Praying the Bible by Donald Whitney and How to Pray by R.A. Torrey would be great books for you guys to have in your uh, repertoire as learning how to pray and draw close to the Lord. My hope for you is that this day, this time has helped you grow in knowing how to pray. And how do we pray? In the Spirit. Amen? Amen. Let's worship.